in Samuel. And if we just think about the man who Samuel was, Samuel was the answer to a devout woman's prayer, Hannah, in the Bible. We remember that wonderful prayer of Hannah, who was distraught for years because she could not have a child. And uh, she was mocked, wasn't she, by her mistress for not, have, not being able to have a child. And uh, she found herself in the temple, pouring her heart out before the Lord, really. And she made that vow, didn't she? Because her, her womb was shut. And she poured out her heart before the Lord. And she made that vow, if thou should give me a man-child, uh, I would dedicate this child to the Lord, as it were. He'd be a Nazarite, as it were, for the Lord. And, uh, and the Lord hearkened to her cry. She prayed according to the will of God. What a wonderful prayer this is to pray. Uh, for parents to pray for. Uh, if, when they pray for children, well, the reason I want children is because I want them to be dedicated to you for your service and your glory to carry on in the faith, as it were, to prolong the faith in the land, as it, as it were. The Lord hearkened, didn't he, to her prayer, and Samuel was born. And it was said of Samuel after he was weaned, that straight away he uh, went under the headship of the priest Eli. And um, it, it said that he ministered unto Eli. He was brought up, as it were, in a strict training uh, in the fear of the Lord. And it was said in those days that the word of God was precious in Israel. The word, and there was no open vision. That it was precious. But friends, of course, uh, as Samuel started to get older, he started to bring God's judgment upon the people. Remember, he was to speak the oracles of God to the people. God spoke by his prophets, these holy prophets raised up. And of course, they started to despise God's prophets. They started to look dimly upon them. Their hearts grew wanton. They looked upon the nations. They wanted what they had. They started to grow lukewarm and cold, didn't they? They looked upon Samuel differently, as it were. And, and so we, we know that Saul was a judge. Saul becoming king was a judgment that, that God had upon Israel um, for a time. And uh, we know even when when he was called, he hid himself, didn't he, from being called. And really he knew, he knew he wasn't fit to, to be king. And, uh, and uh, he hid himself. Um, but, of course, <laughs> he could not hide himself from the Lord, could he? And uh, he was made king. And we know straight away the type of man he was. He took to himself all the young maids, as it were, employed them in his, in his service. He built up the federal state, as it were. He, he took young men. He wanted to be like the kings, as it were, with this inflated pomp and ceremony. That's what he wanted. And, uh, and we, know, uh, we know, really, how he treated God's people. We know, yeah, Samuel's thoughts that, uh, that he, he potentially could kill him. Samuel the prophet. He hunted down David. This is what type of man he was. He was a vain man, as it were. He was the Judas Iscariot of the Old 
pestilence. And so Saul was God's judgment upon the people. But God and his mercy, friends, God and his mercy provided a godly king, David, as it were. And he was teaching the people a very valuable lesson, wasn't he? That the, the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. That God doesn't look upon the outward show of strength and power. What he wants is our hearts to be right with him. That's what he, that's what he wants. And so we see here with, uh, with Samuel's coming to the people, we see here, dear friends, he sanctifies Jesse uh, and his sons. And we see the, 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 uh, the presence of this godly man, the presence he commanded, as it were. It, they trembled. The elders of, of Bethlehem trembled at his, his coming because he, they knew that this was a godly man. They knew that God spoke through this man. And, uh, and they trembled, didn't they? And, but you know, the, the, the amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, is that Samuel, when he comes, and his judgment normally being nine times, or 99 times out of 100, being absolutely spot on. Remember, God calling Samuel when he was but a, a lad three times, as it were, speaking to him. Remember, he is the answer of prayer of Hannah being dedicated to the Lord. This godly man that commanded such presence, as it were, God's presence. But we see here, amazingly, do we not again the fallibility of men? That he, he got God's judgment. Dear friends, in this regard, he would be absolutely immense, wouldn't he? And uh, of course, Saul was an anointed king. And so naturally he thought, well, thinking of Saul, as it were, trying to plead with the Lord for the Lord to, to, uh, to maintain Saul, he naturally thought, well, God has someone similar. And so we can be like that at times. But the Lord, you see, was teaching them and us a very valuable lesson. From, from the prophet, as it were, to the least of God's saints, as it were. He's teaching us all a very, very important lesson. That God looks upon the heart. That's what he looks upon. That's what he sees. That the desire within a man's heart where that, what, who that person is trusting in, how that person, what, what that person is giving their heart to. This is what matters to God. For the Lord seeth not as man, says verse 7. Why? Why is that? Well, because God, friends, sees everything, doesn't he? He doesn't just see the things like we do. We, we, we can be partial at times. And we can, we can look for the things that we want to look for in a person, but not so with God. God looks both at the outward and, more so, at the inward. That's what God looks at. Man, on the other hand, looks on the outward appearance, doesn't he? God, the Lord seeth not as man. God sees everything. He is our creator. And so he that formed the ear knows what the, the ear listens to. He that has formed the eye, will he not know what the eye is beholding? He that has created and wonderfully wrought the heart, as, as it were, will he not know what's in the heart and in the mind? 
He will, will he not know the thoughts afar off? Of course he will. God is spirit, isn't he? He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. You cannot run from God, dear friends. And like Jonah, Jonah tried to run from the presence of the Lord, didn't he? What good did that do, Jonah? Um, and so God sees everything, dear friends. Not only the outward, but more so the inward. But man, on the other hand, looketh on the outward appearance. Man looketh on the outward appearance. Man looks really upon the stature or the height, or in particular the countenance, as it were, the credentials, the beauty of a, a woman or a man, the body, uh, the outward show, as it were, what influences people, what influences people's heart to gain more for themselves. This is what man looks upon. And if we think about <laughs> the Old Testament and many of the, of the truths, the examples put there for our learning, we think about Eve. Eve looked upon the outward appearance of that apple, didn't she? You know, sometimes when you go to Tesco's and you might be Morrison's, and you see the sparkling apple, don't you? <laughs> it's too good to be true, isn't it? Not one blemish on it. Not one insect bite on it. Not one scratch. And I think to myself, boy, that's looking, this looks too good to be true, doesn't it? I actually like the, the apples that have got scratches on them and, and cuts on them and bites on them. It means that they can be eaten. <laughs> but the outward appearance, oh, they're full of pesticides, aren't they? And sprayed to the hilt, to last, as it were. But Eve, she looked on the outward appearance, didn't she? But she really, she wasn't looking with her heart, was she? The devil tempted her. And of course, when she ate of that fruit, she disobeyed, as it were, and more so Adam. And she spiritually died, didn't she? And that also Adam, and brought misery upon the, the whole of mankind. If we think of God, Lot, man looketh, looketh on the outward appearance. Think about Lot. Lot and Abraham, the Lord blessed them, didn't they? They had much, they had much uh, cattle and, uh, and li livelihood in that respect. And insomuch that the land could not contain all the animals and, and the things that they had. And Lot was walking by faith. But, uh, sorry, Abraham was walk, walk, uh, walking by faith, but Lot, on the other hand, made a grave error, didn't he? The herdsmen were fighting over land, and Abraham, and this matter came to Lot and Abraham, and Abraham it, it was very gracious, wasn't he? He said, he said we shouldn't be fighting, we're brethren, uh, as it were. Choose whatever, whatever you want, choose the land, whatever side of the land you want, and whatever you want, I'll take the other half, as it were. And what did Lot do? Lot chose with his eyes, didn't he? He looked on the outward appearance, as it were, of the land that lay towards Sodom and the plains of Sodom, as it were. And he looked upon that, the lusciousness of, of it, and he chose that land, where Abraham chose that which was right before the Lord. He did that which was right before the Lord. Man, look upon the outward appearance, friends. What about Naaman? Think of Naaman the Syrian, the leper. Remember, with, with Naaman, 
he is upheld really as a, as a proud man, but a very sick, uh, leprous man. And uh, when he was, when he came to Elijah, uh, Elijah gave him the commandment: "Isn't it? You need to go if you really want to be healed. You will need to go to the River Jordan and dip yourself four, uh, seven times into that river, and you'll be healed." And Naaman's response. What was Naaman's response? Well, can't I go back home? <laughs> can't I go back home to the rivers in Syria? They clean, they're beautiful, sparkling, clean, fresh rivers. Do I have to go to the dirty, muddy Jordan River, dip myself in there? Do I really have to do that? You see, he looked on the outward appearance of the River Jordan. You see, there's nothing special about the water, but God was showing us something here, wasn't he? Uh, there was seven, the perfection. God was showing us something. Don't look on the outward as, as it were. Just listen to the words of God. Like they were in the days of, of uh, Samuel when he was young. They were precious. They were precious to the people. Is the word of God precious to us? Or do we look on the outward as it were? What about Job's confidence? When Job lost his ten children... When Job lost his health, when Job lost all his livelihood and his cattle, he lost it all, didn't he? One tragic day. And those lousy comforters came to him, didn't they? They first came and they sat with him in the ashes, as it were. And of course, he must have been distraught. It's only natural for people to grieve, even Christians to grieve. And, uh, and Job's comforters sat with him for a week. But then they gave in, didn't they, after a week, to the appearance. And what did they do? Well, they started to accuse him, didn't they, in such a cruel way. If you read the book of Job, in such a cruel and malicious way of having some gross, secret sin, as it were. And they started to accuse him over and over again with sophisticated arguments from the Scriptures and also with truths of Scriptures, which is one of the most terrible ways, as it were, to treat a fellow believer. Is to use scripture to bring him down and to manipulate. It's a terrible thing to do. And they did that. They looked upon the outward appearance. They saw Job with his boils and his loss of his children and everything else. And they started to accuse him, as it were. They looked upon the appearance and they said, God is judging you for this. And we know what happened in the end. Job did that which was righteous in the sight of the Lord. Did he, did he not? They looked upon the outward appearance, did they not, friends? But God saw Job's heart. God, God saw Job's heart. What about Boaz? What about Boaz? Uh, that man of wealth, as it were. Boaz, the name, as I'm sure many of you know, means strength from within. That was the line from which the Saviour of the world would come from. Boaz. And yet, Boaz, when Ruth came along, remember, she was. Uh, she wasn't an Israelite. She wasn't from the commonwealth of, of Israel. She had lost her husband. She had lost her, her father. Sorry, her, her father-in-law. Uh, she, her sister as well, had gone back to Moab, and she came back with her mother Naomi, and uh, she was destitute, absolutely destitute. She, as it as it were was on the benefit system, <laughs> I'll say that reverently, she, 
she, she went and she gleaned from the fields uh, to survive, as it were, and she, she really, she really had nothing, you know, and what did Boaz look at? Did Boaz look at her with contempt and say, well, she, she, she was actually once married, she's poor, she's all these things. Boaz didn't, did she? Boaz looked at her heart. This is a virtuous woman here. This is someone who loves the Lord here. Although she was once a stranger in her heart to the commonwealth of Israel, she's more devout than most now to, to the God of Israel. She loves the Lord. That's what Boaz saw, and that's what God sees. He sees the heart. What about Absalom? Absalom, it was said of him, David's son, that he, from his head to his toes, he was beautiful. He had this, these great locks of hair, uh, which weighed so many shekels of silver. He had a pole, as it were, to such was the, 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 the weight of this, this hair, as it were, that uh, he needed this kind of pole to, lift, to, to hold it in. And over time, he started to steal the hearts of the people away from King David, didn't he? He started to manipulate, go to the gates, as it were. Start, over time, started to draw the people, as, as it were. And the people started to be drawn away from King David and from his righteous rule. God sees the heart, doesn't he, friends? He doesn't see the outward performance. He, he sees the heart. Remember Solomon's judgment uh, upon those two women that conceived. Um, remember, Solomon was brought, was given this wisdom from God, wasn't he? And there were two women, actually, there were two harlots. And both of them conceived the same night in the same house, as it were. And one of them, the, ch the children, one of the babies survived. And the other, sadly and tragically, lost its, its life in the middle of the night. And what happened? Well, we know what happened, don't we? One of the women who lost her child tragically, she got up. And she went into the other person's room, or whatever it was, and she took the living child out of uh, the grip of the mother, and she replaced her dead child in that. And then she went back. And so when both women awoke in the morning, the woman that had the living child woke up with a dead child in her hands. And the, and, uh, the one that had a dead child, the one that defrauded the other one, deceived the other one, had a living child in her hands. And so the one that has, was, was deceived and defrauded, what did she do? Well, she woke up and she knew that really this wasn't her child, this, 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 this dead child, tragically. But what did she do? She brought the matter to the king, King Solomon. And King Solomon, in his wisdom, didn't he, when the case was brought to him, and the, and the woman pleaded, saying, I'm the mother, this, this, this other woman, she's taken my child from me. She, she, she told the King Solomon everything that had transpired. And Solomon, and, and the other woman flatly denied it. And what, and what did King Solomon do? He said, bring a sword. Bring a sword, the servant. And he got the sword ready in his hands, like this, and he said, he said, divide that child in half, the living child in half, and give half to each, each, each of the, the women. Of course, he was not, he was not going to do that. 
But what he is doing here is he's trying to get to the heart of which one of those women uh, was the rightful mother of that child. And what happened? The one who was the real mother of that living child, she cried out, didn't she? Don't do it! Don't do it! Give the child! To give the child to her! Don't, don't hurt the child, please! She pleaded with her because her bowels for her child were pouring out. And the other woman, divide, divide the child, her heart was not really, did not really love that child like the, the rightful mother. And Solomon, with the wisdom of God, saw that. Here is your child. You're, you're the mother, the real mother of this child. That's what God looks at, doesn't he? He, he, he gets to the heart. He sees the heart, doesn't he? He examines what's deep in our hearts and looks at that like Solomon, uh, intrinsically like a, like a surgeon, gets right down. What is the problem? What's the condition here? And that's exactly what the Lord does. He looks at the heart, not on the outward appearance, not on the show of strength or power or anything else that men may favor. He looks upon the heart. Remember the Lord's words in Luke 16, 15. He said to the Pharisees, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Strong words, aren't those? Strong words. Those who justify themselves before men, in other words, they are, they are more concerned about how they are viewed before men than God. That's a big problem in the sight of God, isn't it? A big problem. And it's not that we should be scruffballs and we should be unholy and unchaste. It's not saying that here. We should be holy as God's, God's people. The appearance of evil is, not, is, a, is a bad thing. But what God is saying that you can do all the things outwardly, but really, inwardly, there's dead man's bones. You can be white, a whited sepulchre, but no life inside of you at all. Because really, you just care more for what people think of you, instead of what, what God thinks of, of what, what God sees. That's what he's concerned about, isn't it? Friends, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looketh on the heart. God sees the hidden man of the heart, doesn't he? He sees if you're truly trusting in the Saviour Christ. If he's first in your heart, he sees the hidden man of the heart. God's word is deep within your heart. You love him. He saw that in David's heart, didn't he? On, that, on, that, uh, on those plains, as it, as it were. That lowly job that he had. He had the least of jobs. As, as it were, and, and he was despised in, in a certain way by his elder brothers. We know that from the later context of the scriptures. But the Lord saw his heart on those plains, didn't, didn't it? Because, because the Lord saved him by his grace, by his, his spirit. And that's why he overcame, didn't he? The lion and the, the bear. As a young lad, God put strength into him. Other people looked at him, look at this ruddy, ruddy, this youth, as it were. Look at, look at how Goliath looked upon him. Are you, are you sending this boy, this, this, this child, this youth, and he mocked him and derided him? Are you serious? Are you seriously bringing this little boy up against me? 
And this is what the world does when, when they look at the true Christian, the, the, the poor old salmon, that the, 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 they, they look upon the Christian with, with scorn, don't they? But God sees the heart. He sees that the hidden man of the heart is there, Christ. True belief in Christ. True saving faith. True love for the Lord. That's what God looks at, doesn't he? Psalm 139 says, Thou understandest my thought afar off. Wow! That is just mind-boggling, isn't it? That God sees our thoughts afar off. He knows our thoughts afar off. What type of people ought we to be, knowing that the Lord is sovereign in this respect? God does not judge according to the appearance, although, like I said, the appearance of evil is not good. We should be holy. But he primarily doesn't judge according to the appearance. God judges righteously. He doesn't judge according to how rich you are or poor you are. You can be fabulously rich and you can be so full of yourself, so full of the things of this world, and you can forget God in your greed and covetous and become complacent like Israel did in the land of Canaan. You can be poor, as it were, and despise God for your poverty and blaspheme the name of the Lord. God does not judge according to appearance, but righteousness. Hebrews 4.13 All things are naked and open unto the, the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We have to do with our maker. And one day, all of us here, all of us will stand before the judge of all. And we will have to give an account, not of what this person, my dad thought of me, my mum thought of me, or my, my brethren thought of me, or this person thought of me. No, no, just God. Just you and God, that's it. And you'll have to give an account, really, before him. Who, who, what really meant the most to you? If you truly loved him first, if you truly sought him as the pearl of great price, that's what's going to matter. In the, in the end, your relationship with God, if, if he is first in your heart or, or not, or, or if you're really, you're really leaning upon the props, the, the false props of this world, all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him. You see, our hearts and our minds, dear friends, how long would we go out? How long would we go out in public, or even here, if a projector screen of our thoughts and our desires was above our heads every day, every minute of every day? <laughs> I wouldn't go out at all. <laughs> I'd lock myself in a room, as it, as it were, um, and I know everyone here, although they may not quite say so, uh, and people listening, but they would do exactly the same. Why? Because the heart is desperately wicked. And who could know it? By nature, we are sinners. Even as Christians, yes, we can be born again, but there's great work to be done, isn't there? There's a great mortification to be done and killing off of sinners, a driving out of the Canaanites, as it were. God sees the heart, doesn't he? The Lord looketh on the heart and the kingdom of the heart. And what's he going to find? What's he going to find in our hearts, friends, in my heart and in your heart? Is he going to find the Canaanites settling in, as it were? That's what happened in Israel, didn't they? A gradual, a gradual, subtle settling in of sin, as it were, over, to, over time. Those Canaanites settling in, marrying in, interbreeding, as it were, with the, with the Israelites. And what happened? 
they subtly and slowly crept in, didn't they? Over time, getting, uh, getting into positions of power, of influence, that's what happens within our hearts. If, if we allow sin to get into the kingdom of heart, the Canaanites to settle in, they'll grow, won't they? They'll get stronger, more influence, more power within our hearts, and eventually, like Solomon, and giving his heart to strange women, they'll take that person away from the Lord and cause all sorts of misery in someone's life. The Lord looks on the heart and the kingdom of the heart. Keep it with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Lord looketh on the heart. What's he going to find then in terms of justification? What are we, how do we justify ourselves as Christians? Do we say, well, I've been brought up as a Christian because I go to a Reformed church, because I do these, these things, and I'm so, God looks upon me with great favour because of these things? Or are we honest with God and say, God, be merciful to me as a God has showed me my heart. God's, God, God has showed me the vileness and the wretchedness within. And I'm justified by faith alone. In Christ alone. To his glory alone. It must be. I'm justified by his perfect merits that he demonstrated on the cross of Calvary, that he taught us. He, he lived a perfect life that we can never live. We don't have perfect obedience, he did. He's the only one who's overcome sin and the power of sin and death. So God looks at our hearts. How are, we, how are we justifying ourselves? Are we always making excuses? Or are we honest with God? I'm trusting in you alone. To your cross I claim. You're my love. Your love means better than life to me. I've truly sought thee. I truly know the power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the gospel. The Lord looketh on the heart. Will he find a life framed around his love by faith? When, when Christ saves someone, a life starts to be framed. And it's quite it's quite amazing, amazing. at home. We've got this <laughs> fighting between us and the children, we've got this little rose in the front garden, and I placed it in a terrible position. It's where the step to our house is. There's a little bit of soil there, and I placed it right on the edge. <laughs> this little rose, right on the edge, going up to the steps of our house. And one day I just walked up the steps and I cut it right off <laughs> with my foot. And this rose, this little rose, with a little twig like that coming out, completely smashed up. And then <laughs> I thought, well, I'm going to attempt to revive it. So I got a little bit of this really good soil I could find and dug it up a little bit, showed it some little bit of TLC, some love. And then Julia, our daughter, came and so we started to see, oh, it's starting to perk up a little bit here. And Julia came and she got this little framework like that and she put it around this little, fr- this, this little rose, tiny rose, put it around so that no one can kick it. No silly dads and the clumsiness, click it over. And this framework was great, it held it up. And then, lo and behold, we've got this beautiful big rose, literally as you walk into our doorstep. Tiny little thing like that. Bit of love, bit of framing, bit of beauty. And uh, that's what God wants, doesn't he? When, when true love for the Lord, true belief in Christ is met with the Holy Spirit, there is a framing around 
the means of grace. There's a framing around the things that God loves and a hating of the things that God hates. If you love me, said the Lord Jesus, keep my commandments. That's how you show that you love God. Not that you're justified, but that you love God. That you're born of God. This is treasure. Building a treasure in heaven, isn't it? Living for the Lord. When God saves us by His wonderful grace and His mercy, and we're His, we're His forever, He points us straight back to the commandments, doesn't He? This is your rule for life. And, and I'll give you everything you need for it. I'll give you everything to live by it. To love, to delight in the commandments, as it were. You know, in my line of work, I sometimes have the opportunity to visit factories. And I visited a number of these, what they call metal pressing factories, or high speed metal stamping. I don't want to bore you, especially with my children. <laughs> They're probably going to listen to me at times. But these, some of these machines, these high speed metal pressing machines, seriously are massive. I mean, they're a third of the size of this room. They're huge. These massive, what they call Brudera machines. My wife will probably pronounce that better than I can. Um, but these big metal pressing and stamping machines. And what happens is you get this coiled sheet metal and it passes through the machine at, 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 at a very quick pace. And then you have this machine that's got this tooling and these dies in it that are cut into particular intricate pieces. And what happens is the, the power of this machine and all the pneumatics behind it pound on it very quickly, like that. And you have hundreds of components literally being stamped out, pressed into that exact intricate shape. Hundreds of them every minute. It's, it's a marvel to watch. I was like, wow, that's amazing. But you know, in the same sense, the devil, the God of this world, has blinded people to conform to this world's way of thinking and doing. And it's all outward, as it were. It's, he's, he's conformed the die, the, the tooling, as it were. And he's gone through great pains to make sure that people are thinking doing, as it were, according to the, system, the evil systems of this world. Like that press. Like that. As soon as we're born, get that child, as it were. Teach them about evolution. Sit them in front of the telly. Get them in, in, involved in the world system. Thinking like the world. Doing like the world. And the, 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 the image of the world is pressed upon that child. And we all, to an extent, know that. Don't we? I did. And as it were. But what's, what's the point I'm trying to make? Friends, that the point is this, that God looks upon the heart. He doesn't look upon the outward. He wants to, he wants to get to the heart. And, and, and if you've got a new heart, it's a changed heart. It's no longer conforming and framing itself to this world's systems. The, the, the evil systems. Feminism. Hollywood ideals. The things, the, the things that people just give their hearts to. The, the secular sciences, philosophy, all these things. The vanities of this world. A, 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 a newly created heart is one which is heavenly. I want to, it's transformed, isn't it? I love the Lord, I want to live for Him now, as it were. God sees that, doesn't He? The Lord sees not as man. He looks beyond the fair speeches, and we've seen this of late with 
our Prime Minister, haven't we? Well, he won with a thumping majority. I don't really like to talk about politics in church. But he, he ran, ran with a he ran he, he won with a thumping majority, didn't he? And now all these truths are coming out, as, as it were. Not the man that he, he thought he was. And it really shows what's in a man's heart, doesn't it? He sees, doesn't he, if there be uh, any competing idols within our heart, like Rachel. Remember Rachel, Jacob's uh, husband, uh, wife. She hid her dad's idol, Laban's idol, did she? And in her tent, under the sheep coat and skin, as it were. And uh, she wasn't hiding it from God. Was she? God saw exactly what she was doing. She was taking her father's gods, the false gods of this world, into her new life, as it were, and hiding them. And, dear friends, this can happen. Are you still hiding the false gods from your father or from your mother, as it were? You've inherited the same sinful blood, as it were. Are you hiding those things? Are you giving your heart to those things? It's possible. Uh, it's, it happens to all of us. Or are you truly forsaking them, turning them, turning from them, and cleaving to the Lord? Proverbs 28, 13 comes to mind. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. It's not talking about wealth and materialism, prosperity here, although the Lord can do that. But that those things are going to be burned up. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, spiritually speaking. You're, you're never going to have a right relationship with God if you cover up your sins. If, if, if it's just a show, if you're not right with God and you, from your heart and your mind, you're never ever going to prosper spiritually speaking. And that's a lesson for us who are, are Christ, who are true Christians as well. Never play games with God. Don't cover up sin. Be honest with the Lord. He's a God of truth. He desires truth on the inwards. I mean, those sins must be dealt with, more so than outward sins. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If you truly, truly with all your heart, with everything that you've got, forsake your sins, God will then have mercy upon you when you look to Him alone for salvation, full, free, and lasting. The thief upon the cross. Dear friends, God saw what was in his heart. Didn't, didn't the Lord God see what was in that, that man's heart? A few hours earlier, what was he doing? Cursing God with everyone else. Uh, railing upon the Lord God. And then he heard people, didn't he, over those hours? He heard people, you saved others? Something started to happen. You're the king. Of, they called him the king of kings. All these things. He started to hear. The son of God. You saved others. Save, and you saved yourself. He heard all these things. You saved others. The king of kings. You called yourself God. And something amazing started to happen on, on that thief's heart, didn't he? One minute, railing against the Lord with everyone else, joining in, like people do on the high street. And the next minute, by God's sovereign grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, something happened in that man's heart. And you know what? God saw that heart, didn't he? 
And what happened in that, 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 thief's, that thief's heart? A, a lifetime of robbing from God, stealing from God, the glory due to his name. And what happened? Well, God saw his heart, didn't he? He was convicted of his sin. And he was convicted that next to him was God in the flesh. The only begotten Son of the Father. He was right there next to him, dying not only for other people, but for him. And he believed it. He believed that the person next to him was dying for him. Jesus, the Son of God. He absolutely believed it. And that's why he said, didn't he? Remember me when you are interested into my kingdom. I believe in you. And that was a sign of a true penitent, isn't it? I don't deserve to be saved. I really don't. I'm at your mercy. I know you're the Saviour, and I know I'm a howl-deserving sinner. I'm at your mercy. Please save me. Please be merciful unto me. That was a sentiment here from the thief upon the cross. And what did the Lord do? This day, thou shalt be with me in paradise. This day. <laughs> wow. Power of the Holy Spirit. Power of God. The power of one person that repented and believed in the Saviour. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? This is, this is wonderful, isn't it? This is good news for us, all of us. We can all know about us. No one needs to go home sad, as it were. We can all leave this place tonight rejoicing over one sinner that repented. Oh, friends, these are wonderful things, aren't they? Well, in conclusion, I will finish with Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen.